Have you ever heard a witness tell you that if they're wrong, it costs them nothing, but if they're right, they gain everlasting life, so they might as well be a witness? Does being a Jehovah's Witness really cost nothing? On this episode, we'll explore that notion. Isabel isn't here to just tell you her story. In addition to that, she's going to tell you the experiences of a cousin who brought her entire family out of the cult, but sadly can no longer speak for herself. Her story involves sexual abuse while she was a minor, self-harm, and untreated mental illness. If this isn't a good time for you to hear about these subjects, I've put the timestamp of this segment in the show notes. Isabel was born into the cult as a fourth-generation witness, an attempt by her parents to save their marriage. Throughout her childhood, she had to deal with the pressure of feeling responsible for the health of their relationship, their toxicity, and her difficulty forming friendships due to her father being disfellowshipped most of her childhood. In adolescence, she chafed against the strict rules her parents imposed on their household, going further than even other witness families. Eventually, she broke down and began reading the XJW subreddit, and within a week, she had woken up totally. We talk about the difficulties she faced and still faces with her people-pleaser personality and how to deal with toxic people in your life. I hope you're as moved by this interview as much as I was. Here's Isabel. Can you tell me about the first time you questioned the religion? I don't know that, like, while I was in, I would have considered it questioning, but I think, yeah, I think that's true. A lot of people, um, but when I was 14, I was just done listening, like, okay, um, wanting to live it anymore. I was just, I didn't have any like valid reasons except for the rules were really hard to follow. So it was um, just like it just sucked to be a Jehovah's Witness and you were tired of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I actually like at some point um I found a journal from when I was 14 and I guess I never realized that I had questioned it before that, but I was reading it and it was like literally just talking about how I can't I can't do the rules anymore like my parents were just always going to get my case cuz I was um I think they viewed me as like troubled kind of. Oh man. Um even though I was I was a good kid, I just I wanted a boyfriend at school kind of a thing. Um and I was I would hide it from them, but um I at that point when I was 14, it was my last year of school. I was in 8th grade because I went to I homeschooled after that. Mm. Um and I was asking my best friend at school and my boyfriend at school if they wanted to run away with me to California. Oh, wow. And yeah, I was ready to go. Um, and then my mom got pregnant with my youngest sister. And I was like, well, I can't leave her. <laughs> like, whatever, whoever this kid turns out to be. And I'm very glad I didn't because I probably would have got myself in a really bad situation at 14 running away from home um and i'm very glad that i met my sister because she became like even though she is 14 years younger than me she is like was like my best friend until i left oh wow cool yeah so you were were you raised in it 
I was. Yeah. Um, my great grandma was in it. So I, I think that's a, I'm a fourth generation. Yeah, I think that's. And she was, she was anointed or claimed she was anointed. I think at that time they were just people that came in were just like, well, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven. They didn't really. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there was a point where they were so small. It's like, there's no way we'll ever get 144,000 people. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And they were just, they were coming in from like Catholicism or Christianity and they're like, well, yeah, my hope is to go to heaven. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then and then there's sort of, then they like start growing and they're like, "Oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, now you have to we got to do something uh, about this. Uh, we need kind of visions a, from Jesus now." Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a theme in that thing. They kind of paint themselves into a corner with doctrine and then oh, yeah, we got to we changed it <laughs> just in time. Exactly. <laughs> so many times. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But um like I received her journal um, when I was younger. My grandpa gave me her journal after she passed away and she seemed like she didn't seem, I feel like when I think of someone anointed besides like governing body, I, I don't know that they necessarily believe that. I don't really know what when it comes to governing body, but like I, when I think of a typical anointed person, I think like, hmm, I wonder if they're crazy. Like, <laughs> I wonder if they had like schizophrenia, you know, like they got a, I don't know. Um, so I think she was, that was just her belief. And she, I don't think that she was necessarily crazy. Yeah. I I think I've run into that situation before. Like when I was into, like there were some, there are some people of, uh, I guess you would say questionable sanity who were uh, mm-hmm. claimed to be members of the anointed and I'm not sure how the local elders handled that. You know, that was one of the things that always, like, made me wonder, like, okay, like, how do you know you're anointed and not just, like, having hallucinations? Like, what is... Right. Like, is there some, like, sort of secret handshake that God teaches you or something Mm -hmm. in a dream? And then then you have to give the elders a secret handshake, and then they're like, oh, yeah, you're definitely anointed. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I feel like the elders almost, like, if they were of questionable mental health, the elders would almost, like, feed into that. Like, oh, they say they're anointed, but they might just be mentally ill. Yeah, I get that feeling, too. I think so. Did you did yeah, you know I your th- great-grandma? I met her. I, I'm sure I knew her more, but the only memory I have of her is... Um, my grandma was taking care of her while she was like on hospice almost. She was living with my grandma and I visited her and she gave me like this stuffed frog and then she was really good at making like cut paper um, that turned into like a long string of paper with like a picture on it and she did it with an elephant for me and I was so in love with her after that but then she passed away pretty quickly. Oh yeah. Huh. So I don't think I even comprehended like Right. You didn't see her like that point. you didn't see her like drinking the wine and eating the bread at the meeting. No. No, I was I was probably like three or four when she passed away. Oh yeah. Okay. When did you start feeling like a little constrained? Like about the beliefs? About just the rules and stuff, because you said like the rules were you know, you by the by the time you were fourteen you were like done. But was there like a point where that started? Like you started kind of feeling, oh, I'm a little restricted here. 
I was always like taking care of my siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, Like they would call me mom on accident all the time. I have three siblings and they're all younger than me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I remember like taking care of my, my middle sister and I was like changing her diaper and I knew I had a boyfriend at school, but I was just like taking care of things in the house. And I was thinking to myself, I would be a perfect daughter if I didn't have a boyfriend and why does this religion make me a bad daughter because I have a boyfriend and I have to like lie to my parents about it. All right. Do you have both parents in the, in the religion or just a like single parent situation or? No, I had both parents in the religion. My dad was disfellowshipped a large part of my childhood. Mm. Um, so you got so you ran into that very early in life. Very early. And it was a huge reason why I was like, isolated from even like the Jehovah's Witness community mm. um, because parents didn't really want their kids coming over when my dad was disfellowshipped and my mom was um, more strict about me going over to other people's houses or maybe I just didn't get invited but I just didn't have like many friends when I moved. Um, we moved when I was like nine to a different city mm. and is just a completely different social dynamic because I was raised around like a few boys. Um, but then all of a sudden it was only girls in my congregation. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I think I was a little, I was, they would always say I was pretty weird. Um, cause I was a tomboy and I was goofy. Right. Um, and then like their parents didn't really want them to come over to my house that much. Cause when they did, like my dad had to hide in his bedroom. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but he was a fellowship twice for years, and that was hard because, like, even my cousins couldn't really come over because they couldn't talk to my dad either. It's almost like a punishment for the kids too. When you're and my mom, like, it was really hard with my mom too. Oh, I'll bet. I'm sure. I'm um, sure nobody was judgmental at all about it. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Your dad was disfellowship for years. Did he like, did he like question the doctrine at all? Or don't you know, or was it just like a private thing where, you know, you just. He did. Mm. Um, I didn't really hear about it until I was leaving. So I left about a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. And he sent me a text message. Um, I had, I can actually read you the conversation because it's, I got a lot of help from XGW Reddit in like coming up with the response because I was kind of just like frustrated with my dad and I didn't know what to say because nothing would get through to him. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, um, pretty, com that's pretty common when you're talking to witnesses. Yep. <laughs> and it started with, he sent me a link to a video on JW.org and he said, he just said, I love you. I love this video. And it had already been like a month and a half since I decided, well, that's a, that's a story that I'll come to again, because that was very traumatic of how like they found out. Mm. Um, but I basically just texted him like, I love you. Are you not letting mom talk to me? Because my mom, my mom was my best friend and it was just, I could feel her pushing away. 
Mm. Um, and I thought it was because of my dad because I thought he was a lot more strict. But I think my mom's pretty got some hardcore Stockholm syndrome when it comes to the organization. Yeah. Um, he just said, no, it's up to her. You are taking a side against Jehovah, even to the point of saying he doesn't exist. We love and miss you so much, but what do you expect us to do? Hmm. And went to Reddit, and this is the response that they gave me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, that just sounds the best. And it's, I expect you to still be my parents and for us to love and respect one another, despite not having reached the same conclusions around religious beliefs. I'm not cutting you out of my life for your religious beliefs, and I expect the same in return. The man in the video made a hard choice to leave a church because he came to the conclusion that it was corrupt. I am on the side of the truth and not afraid to suffer because I won't support a corrupt organization. July 2009, Awake, page 29, says no one should be forced to worship in a way that he finds unacceptable or be made to choose between his beliefs and his family. And my dad's response was, you weren't forced and you're not being forced now said I understand that's how you feel but the love is conditional to me agreeing with your beliefs in quotes made to choose between beliefs or family he said did anyone have COVID at your work while they had it did you want them to quarantine or did the business decide to stop employing someone that because of their decision could hurt the business our love for you will never stop this has been the hardest thing we have ever dealt with and I said I'm still here this is a choice you are making. You are showing how much you love me by your actions. If you can't love me outside of the organization, then there was never any love there to start. I understand you're going through a hard time, but I want you to step back and see how I could possibly be going through the whole, most challenging point in my life as well. My whole world is caved in on itself. Um, got kind of petty. <laughs> wow. Um, I said, you lost your entire personal personality to this organization and you became a different person basically when after he was reinstated mm. the second time um he kind of he he did he like completely gave himself up to the watchtower like it was weird he was mm. just he would memorize articles and then quote them back to you as like for anything wow and it was exhausting as a kid because I wanted to go to like a Marvel movie and my dad would pull out the God's Love book and say well if someone punched you in the face would you consider them a violent person so if someone's punching someone in the face in this movie isn't that loving violence aren't you showing God that you love violence by going to see it like oh dad other witness kids are doing this too why won't you let me yeah um and that's when he pointed out when he was questioning um he said how he treated my mom terribly. He was extremely selfish. Um, we both were selfish and not thinking of the other person. The only thing that saved our marriage was us becoming a bit more humble and listening to Jehovah. If not for you, we would have been divorced when you were younger. So in that respect, I'm so glad I lost my personality because it was awful. It's like because they've told me multiple times that they had me to save their marriage, oh, which is wow. like, don't put that pressure on a kid. <laughs> that's aw Yeah, that's an awesome thing to tell a kid. 
Yeah. Um, he said, I'm sorry you're going through a hard time. I love you. I remember feeling the same way. World caving in. My marriage was crumbling. My daughter was screaming in tears as I moved out. My friends couldn't stand me. My work was suffering. My parents weren't talking to me. But it was my decision that put me in that spot. I was making choices based off my desire, and I was happy. He shared a scripture um, and he said, then this thought came to mind, Isaiah 30, 18, Jehovah is waiting patiently to show you favor and he will rise up to show you mercy. I was determined to try to be more humble and listen to him. And over the years, things got better. And I just, at that point, stopped responding because I was kind of just like, you've literally thought the same thing and how did you not come to the same conclusion? But I think it was just before the internet, you know, before they have the resources. Right. Um, and he just, he's texted me um, in that same month. Please come back to us. We love you. You are so very missed, my daughter. I miss you so much. And I said, I miss you and love you. I'm still in town. You can always see me. Um, and I, he said, we'd like to. We can bring your things. And I said, do you want to get dinner? And he said, how about you come by the house? Your little sister cried herself to sleep last night. And mom did too. And I was scared to go by myself, so I brought my boyfriend, and they, like, hardly let us in the house. Um, we just stood by the door. It was like we weren't really welcome in. Yeah. Gave me a few things. Um, I asked to go downstairs to my bedroom, and they were like, yeah, of course. But it's like, like you guys are acting like I'm not welcome in the house, so I don't yeah. feel like I can just go. Um you know, it's so hard to, I think that's one of the hardest things is to just, you know, tell them that's like, you are the ones doing this. Like, this is 100% you guys. You are, it's like, I'm. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny, your dad said, well, this is a decision I made. This is just, it's like, no, other people decided not to talk to you. I, I don't know your dad's story and I can't even pretend to know, but it's frustrating the level of manipulation that they have when it comes to convincing you that what they do to you is is entirely your fault and your choice and and it's like right yeah i went through the same thing when i was talking when i, when I was dealing with my parents too and it's like no I, I it's like i'm willing to have a relationship with you and i am willing to not even talk about religion but exactly yeah but you guys are like they're not even willing to give me that chance and it's like they don't see that demanding that somebody be the same religion as you to have a relationship with them is unreasonable. Yeah, it's it's exhausting because it's like I I will do I will bend over backwards to have a relationship with you and not talk about it at all. But they have to bring it. They, it's like they can't not talk about it. Exactly. And I got to a point like my grandpa passed away pretty quickly after I left. Um, and so when he was on hospice, my parents, like my mom wanted, was okay with me coming. And so I went, um, a few days and my dad couldn't have a normal conversation with me. I was trying to just, just, Hey dad, like, nice to see you and he started wanting to talk about evolution and how wrong it was and that he oh there was a scientist acclaimed scientist that came to the hall and he was saying that other scientists are lying about evolution and like they all have an agenda and I was like 
there's no way to defend that because you're saying that this guy, you don't even know his name, came to your hall and told you this. Like, I'm just supposed to believe it because you tell me that. Yeah. Like, that's when you start and asking. Tried, that's when you start asking for details, like what was his name, what what was his field of study, what were his qualifications, and of course he doesn't. Know exactly right. It's like, so why should I believe you? you? You didn't even do your, you know, due diligence in figuring out if this guy right. was really what he said he was. So why should I, you know, why am I going to bother with that? Exactly. Yeah, and I, I don't think I really even like was in the headspace to have a decent argument. I was still like. Well, it's like, why would you, yeah, like, who, who's thinking about evolution when they're going to see a relative in hospice, you know? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> and I was just like, I was almost in tears because I was just like, why won't, and I tried to defend myself, but then he thinks it's apostate. And it's like, okay, well, now I'm not going to talk to you about anything. Like, I can't even defend myself because you come up with this word that I'm, apparently anything that I say that's opposite of what you believe is apostate and I don't want you guys to think that I'm apostate so I can't talk about it yeah no that's like going in circles (laughs) yeah it really helped me to just realize that you know when people are in this state of mind there is just no point in talking to them there's no point in trying to convince them they're not going to there there's no like I, I think you know we're raised with this idea that we can just like that we're such great arguers and we're such great debaters i don't know if that was the case for you but like when i was growing up it was like you know we're always preparing for debates at the door yeah yeah and like we're just like so tuned to this idea that we can just talk somebody in out of you know into believing or out of believing something and it's like it's so hard to just let go and not care what somebody else thinks, especially if there's somebody that you care about. And especially if that belief is like directly affecting you in a negative way. And it's like, you don't even want to change their beliefs. You just want them to shut up. (laughs) Shut up and be a person. Like for, for example, I just want my dad, like, please just be my dad again. Yeah, exactly. And it's really sad, but took me a long time to just realize like hey it doesn't really matter what these people think and yeah yeah it's easy to to say but it's not easy to like (laughs) actually internalizing that into your personality is is another (sighs) that's the truth about everything (laughs) yeah exactly yeah it's like hard to for some reason we're all stubborn toddlers and we can't get things through our heads <laughs> we're just like i'm gonna keep trying yeah so like your dad was disfellowshipped twice so you know the first time for years was there you know that second time around when he got to, he got reinstated the second time like i guess was did you note was there anything like different like oh yeah oh yeah he was a different person after he got reinstated the second time yeah. He'd like he started getting super strict about like meetings and family worship. I think that's when they that's around the time that they stopped doing um Tuesday, like Tuesday meetings or Thursday meetings. Like they they cut out one during the week. I can't yeah. remember which one we had. It was a book. Story. Um, yeah, like family worship, and he started getting super strict about that. And I remember like I was pissed because I was a teenager and. 
I had kind of been raised in like my parents didn't care as much about that stuff until that point and then like my dad would yell at me if I didn't have my watchtower studied or like yell in the mornings because like it wasn't studied yet or like hey I like could you really could you start giving comments or like being more strict about that and I would just get pissed at family study because I was like well we never did this before like why are you suddenly trying this now yeah and like also my siblings were all like the closest sibling I have in age is six and a half years younger than me mm-hmm. so they were all starting to like learn to read and I was also at that point that like I I had like a college level reading um, level since I was like in fourth grade and so I was just listening to them try to read the watchtower and it'd take like 10 minutes to get them all the way through and I'd just be like why isn't this ending oh, God. <laughs> that's awful yeah I mean not the, definitely not the worst thing in the world but as like a kid you're just like oh this thing forever <laughs> all right I remember a story my mother told me about her stepdad who was not a very proficient reader even as an adult and oh. but when they studied their watchtower he had to read every paragraph and this was back in the days where the watchtower articles were like 30 paragraphs at least oh <laughs> so they're hot. So yeah, that must have been. Awful. I can only imagine how awful that is. Where you know yeah, you're not at least. Oh man, it's that impatience. You're like, please, please, I need this to be over. I have so many other things I want to do. Right. Exactly. We have to listen to it get read on again on Sunday. Same article. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like it's information that you've never heard before either. Exactly. You're just hearing the same. Like, even when I was younger, I think I was like, okay, we're like, I've heard this watchtower before. Right. Like, I feel like we just studied about the same subject. Yeah. Were you around for the Revelation book? Oh, yeah. But only, only the last time they went through it and they had my mom like was copying and pasting all of the new light into our old Revelation books. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It had like it taped on. I think yeah I think the original one might have made what might have made like a prediction or something about how or like something about nobody born in 1914 is gonna die and uh, oh really yeah there were some there were some predictions like I'd say kind of soft predictions because there were there's also like uh, there was a study book called you can live forever in paradise on earth like it was released back in the 70s and it basically said I think there's something in there where it said that it's going to happen in the 20th century, like before the 20th century is over, it's going to happen. So basically like by the year 2000. And of course it didn't happen. Um, And then uh, funny that that didn't happen. Yeah. And I think it was either that or, and, or it was like the reasoning, the old reasoning book too. So like, that's why there's this, I guess there's this big push to get rid of all those old books and, actually physically destroy copies which is kind of a new one to me because you know when i grew up it was like i could go to the kingdom hall library and read every watchtower going back to like issue number one from 1879 like they had a copy of that in the library and yeah from like 1879 all the way up to the modern day like every issue of the watchtower but that's um, actually that reminds me of a funny story because 
my cousin, when she was leaving, so she left when I was like 17 and she was living right next door to my parents and I, and she like had moved up here because all of her family was disfellowshipped and so she couldn't talk to them. And so she, my parents were like, we'll come live like on our property and you can pioneer. But she started listening to like things that my cousin was saying and she was quote unquote apostate to us. Yeah. Um, and she started realizing like, Oh, 1914 doesn't make sense with like 607 BC. I don't really know the whole, like every detail about that, but she was starting to like kind of wake up with that. So she was in our library in the back of our hall looking at old publications and one of her like elder friends was like well you have to be careful what you read in there and they were all like starting to get suspicious of her because she was looking at our library like at the meeting like if these books are not supposed to be looked in why do you still have them but also why do we have books we can't look at right yeah that's not culty at all right exactly <laughs> yeah um are you disfellowshipped or disassociated or anything or did you just kind of bounce I am faded, okay. but my family doesn't really talk to me at all. Yeah. Like, like your family my, knows where you stand. Yeah. And I, I don't know that I ever would have told them, but my mom is a snooper. She went through my journals. Like she went through, she just, she would look through everything. And so at the time that I started to wake up before I was, I was actually, um, so I was 22 and I was still living at home, but I had started dating my manager at work and I was like, okay, well, I know I'm going to get disfellowshipped again. Cause I got disfellowshipped when I was 19. Mm. Um, but I was like, I'm, I'm just going to do it and we'll get married and then I'll come back in. But I started, I was just kind of dealing with a lot of mistreatment Mm -hmm. from the elders. Not, it's not like they weren't the worst. It was just, I got in trouble for something that the male that I was involved with didn't get in trouble for. And he literally said prayer from stage a few weeks after and I was privately reproved. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah. And it was because like, this is my assumption. He didn't have any witness family. All of his family was like apostates and out. So I don't think they wanted to give him any reason to leave. Oh yeah. Um, but I was just, I was really angry at that because I was the one that said like, we need to come forward to him. And I said, I'm going to talk to my elders about it. I did everything right. And I still, like, they were talking about possibly disfellowshipping me. And it wasn't, we were, we sexted once. Hmm. And it wasn't even, like, we didn't even, it wasn't even a big deal. And they were talking about disfellowshipping me. And I was like, wait, what? I did everything right. I came to you immediately to show, like, repentance. I, like, had to tell my parents, which was embarrassing. Yeah. And they were still talking about doing that. And I was like, okay, you know what? 
And I, I allowed myself to look at XGW Reddit because I was at work. I was like on Reddit a lot, mm-hmm. um, just kind of curious. I was just like, what what are they saying about us? Like, what is what is it that's so bad? And I saw something and it said like, all of the elders wives are really just sheep. And I was like, no, they're not. Like, how dare them? But then I kind of like got in my head and I was like, really? Like a lot of the wives of the elders that I know are really like, it's not like they're sheepish. Like, not like they're just sheep, but they're like, it's like they're almost scared to, I don't, I don't know. They just have a certain personality type to them that they're, they're, they are a little sheepish. Like there was one woman and I was working with her and her husband at the time and I could tell she was at least emotionally abused by her husband. He would just get angry at her and she would just have to do whatever she could to calm him down. Yeah. And that was really sad to me to watch. And I was like, I don't, and I always struggled with the idea of like marriage and being the weaker vessel. I would, I remember crying about it to my dad when I was younger and I was like, I don't want to be the weak one. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I was just like, I don't know if I want to get into a witness marriage. And that's kind of when I was like, I'll allow myself to like date this guy from work and it'll be okay. Cause he's like a very nice guy and we're actually still together. It's been two years in October. Hmm. Um, then I allowed myself to like look at it more. And finally I was like, no, I can't. And this was all within probably a week. Oh wow! And I was like, okay. Yeah, and I was like, okay, this is obviously wrong, but I didn't know what to do, so I called my cousin and her ex-husband, and they had both left when I was 17. Mm-hmm. Hadn't really talked to them since then. Um, and I was like, I don't want to be in the truth anymore. Still called it the truth at that time. Mm-hmm. And my mom, within two days, so I had moved out, um at that point just to stay in someone else's house but I left my old laptop for my sister to use yeah and within two days my mom logged into my Instagram account on my old computer found I was messaging my cousin that is apostate and my manager and she was she came over to my house her and my dad at 8 o'clock at night (laughs) with the laptop and she was like are you dating said boyfriend and why are you talking to your cousin? And they just interrogated me and it, I was just sobbing and it was, I honestly don't remember a lot about that night just because I kind of, I think I blocked it out, Sure. but they eventually left and they were like, you need to pray to Jehovah and like, just talk to the elders about your doubts and I ended up like doing like a shepherding call with them but therapy was also a huge thing that helped me get out because I had been going to therapy for a few months and my therapist was kind of like asking me questions like do you actually believe this like do you want to do this kind of a thing so I think it it was longer but in my head it was like I wouldn't allow myself to even think about that until that like that one week yeah but I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And so my mom and dad wanted me to go to like that meeting that Sunday. And 
I did that and then I went to the Tuesday meeting came home because I just wanted to see my family and it was just it was like a whole different atmosphere yeah so I I stood out sat on the couch while they were doing meeting and because this was still like during COVID we were doing the zoom mm-hmm. we did zoom for forever and that was the last meeting I went to because I, my mom said she wanted me to do some more research and I went and I did research about, I decided to do like a deep dive, not with the publications, yeah, um, but from Christian sources on the flood. And I found right away an article from like a Christian college that's like, it's likely the flood was just a parable because this isn't possible, this isn't possible. And it, like, <laughs> there was like a whole science to it. Yeah. And I showed my mom and she was just like, well, even Christian call it like, even those are led by Satan. And of course, everything's, everything's Satan for them. Yeah. And um, I also showed them the ARC. And my dad said that he had already seen those videos. He stumbled upon them on video, on YouTube. And he said that he thought that, was it, who was it? Was it Sanderson or Cook that did the ARC videos? I can't remember, but he said he thought that he did a really good job. And I was like, he literally lied multiple times. Yeah. Well, that is a good job in their world. Exactly. (laughs) Right. I mean, my dad's probably like spiritual warfare. Yeah, exactly. Um, Like, like, oh yeah, we lied to these people. (laughs) He lied to them so we could have a religious freedom. Yeah, right. Religious freedom to do. Um, Exactly just harm people basically yeah um and then i showed them the united nations letter um that said that yeah jehovah's witness organization has been a part of it for like the 10 years from 2001 um i don't know if it was before 2001 or 10 years after 2001 but i like i had all this proof and they were just like I don't know that they, my mom was like, well, they probably just wanted access to the libraries. Like, we've never been against libraries and information. And it's like, well, yeah, you're always against information. Like, if if it's not, I mean, especially now, if it's not from DW.org, it's bad. Yeah. I mean, Um, would they be, would they have a problem with you joining a church so you can have access to their library? (laughs) Like, come on. No, of course not. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, in my experience with talking to them, too, it's like, the goalposts are constantly moving. Like you find something that would, that you think are totally going to shatter it and then shatter their whole perception of the witnesses. And then they just move the goalposts and then they move them back. No matter what you say, there's always a justification for it. There's always a rationalization for it. You know, at one point when I was talking to my parents, I just asked, I straight up asked them, is there anything you could see that would prove to you that the witnesses are not the truth? And I know my mother said no. And then at that point, and at that point I said, okay, well then we're done here because you don't care what's actually true or not. You really, you really don't care. And I'm not going to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't care what's true or what's not. Right. So (laughs) yeah, let's step off now. it's, It's sad. Yeah. I mean, I was taught that this was a rational religion. Like I was taught that there was evidence for everything that they taught. And, you know, right. you just go to the Bible and, you know, archaeology 
all supported it and everything. And then when you find out that nothing outside of what witness doctrine supports hardly anything they say, then, you know, they just attack the source. Oh, it's like, well, that's Satan. That's a satanic lie. Well, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> there's like just a bias that you have to have in order to, you, like, you pretty much already have to believe it to believe it. Yeah. That's why they have so few people coming in. Right. Yeah, they have to ha- they have to have kids basically to expand the religion and most of those don't stay in either. So you said you decided to go to the XJW subreddit. How did you find out about it? Um, I was just I was on Reddit a lot at that point during COVID. I don't know why, but that was my social media platform of choice during yeah. the whole pandemic. Sure. Um and so I noticed that there was like a Jehovah's Witness sub and I, eventually this would have gotten me out anyway because I was always curious about what people were saying about us. Like I would look up on YouTube and I would make sure to not look at anything that looked like obviously apostate, but I wanted to see like what interactions at the door were, like people's ring doorbell cameras. And I would always like in my head be criticizing people's responses because I, I pioneered for two years. Yeah. And... So I was always like, well, they shouldn't have said it like this. And like, they, they should have said it like that. Like just basically working on my marketing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Essentially door to door salesmanship. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually my curiosity got me pretty deep. And also I have to give credit to my boyfriend because he, I was witnessing him a lot Mm. and he could see through the bullshit so well um so if he saw something that was like obviously wrong he'd point it out and be like well that's that's not true like i remember i was saying something about 1914 Mm -hmm. and of course as soon as you go into those beliefs if you if the person's not like already slightly brainwashed they're gonna be like okay you're crazy yeah and I was telling him about something about 1914. He told me that there wasn't a year zero between like BC and CE. It just went from like one to one. Yeah. And I, it completely blew my mind. And I was like, and I, I don't remember why it blew my mind or how, like, right. Like, what about it? I don't really remember. But I was just like, wait, what? How do I not know that? And I thought I was always like so educated when it came to first century Christians. And because you get like all the information from, you know, JW.org and whatever. And, and the fact that like he had more knowledge about that than me, I just started asking a bunch of questions to him because he's he loves history and so the more that he would say especially about like I was saying that like yeah Jehovah's Witnesses are the continuation of first century Christians after Jesus died Um, and he said well then what do you think the Catholic Church is and I was like well that's apostate Christianity like that's false religion and he's like no they like Peter set that up Peter set Christianity or Catholicism up. I'm probably butchering this. 
I don't know the history of it very well now, but I was just like, what? I thought, I thought all the apostles died and then apostates took over. Like the Catholic religion is like, uh, no, no. (laughs) And so that kind of was like, okay, I don't know that I believe in all the beliefs right now. And then that like, and then my therapist was also like chipping away at, at my beliefs too. And finally, like, I looked at XJW Reddit and I just going through everything. I think I just looked at like top posts within the last year or like of all time. And I was like, Jesus Christ, everything I thought I knew is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. It just ended up becoming so. I feel like I'm physically out, mentally out, because I, like, I don't go to meetings anymore, but I don't know if like if you're not disfellowshipped or disassociated, if that doesn't count or not. Uh, it it doesn't. Like, if you're... I, I think, from what I understand, physically out and mentally out... Mean, physically out just means you are not participating. Okay, so, so yeah. Yeah, so I'm yeah. homo. Yeah, I consider myself that, and I'm not disfellowshipped either. So, okay. yeah, so I'm just, I, but I haven't been in like, I haven't been to a function in like, I don't know, 14 years or something like that. So, okay. yeah, so it's been, it's been a number of years, but yeah, I never, I never physically, I never actually got this fellowship. Were you like pursued or anything like that? Like when you decided to leave, like, or when you stopped coming mm-hmm. to meetings, did you, did you get phone calls or anything like that? Oh yeah, I got phone calls, voicemails, text messages, especially from like my last judicial committee, they were all texting me a lot because that was pretty recently after I got all my privileges back after being privately reproved. And I think they were, I think they're actually not terrible people. There, uh, one was my former best friend's father, mm-hmm. and he wasn't a terrible person. Sure. When I think of elders, like some of them, I know that are like I don't, I don't like certain elders, and I know that they don't have people's best interests at heart. But I don't think they were the worst people. They were just calling and texting like crazy. And eventually, I changed my phone number because my parents wouldn't allow me to get I was on their plan but they said we think it's best if you get your own phone plan when I it was time for me to get a new phone mm. and yeah they slowly just kind of kicked me off of any like financial support which I had also been paying like their electric bill my a big chunk of my adult life as oh. my rent so <laughs> it was also like a slight financial freedom for myself as well Sure. But I did have to like start paying rent to my old place, own place. Um, and the place that I was living in was owned by a witness. And so I had to find a place like on Facebook. Oh. Luckily found some very good people, um, rented a room from them. I'm still renting a room from them and they've become like some of my best friends. Oh, luckily. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. Did you like graduate high school or anything? I did. I actually graduated at... 15 or 16 because I was homeschooled 
Oh, okay. Um, but I didn't get a lot of help with high school. It was, I mean, it, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Penn Foster? Not that one. Um, but uh, okay, I, I've heard of like Clan Lara and Abeka. I think which were the they were the ones that were popular when yeah. I was because it was like a big witness fad to like home to be homeschooled and stuff because like you uh-huh. had to go hang out with a bunch of worldly kids and you you know if you had other friends that were doing it you could like just kind of hang out with them and um right and I I actually told my parents to tests and stuff <laughs> right yeah I told my parents I'm like it, I need to be homeschooled or I will get in trouble huh. like because I knew I was gonna keep dating boys like it was always. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be like a over, like a like a theme. It's like anytime I talk to somebody who is homeschooled, it always seems like it was like either their idea or they like really wanted to be homeschooled at the time. Yeah, at the time I did because I and I also thought if I got baptized, that would also be the threat of being disfellowshipped would keep me from doing anything that sure. would get me you know in trouble and fantastic so i got baptized yeah i got baptized at 15 okay um like a few days after i turned 15 but it was also like my so all of my friends at that time had like ipods or ipads Mm because it was when they were first coming out yeah and i didn't have any of those like devices my dad said we could all like all of me and my siblings could get an ipad when we got baptized Okay. And so that was also a huge draw for me. And I also knew like boys wouldn't like witness boys wouldn't really talk to me until I was baptized. And so I got baptized in an international convention was actually like on the news a year later for one of the Bethel promos for the convention. Yeah. Um, because one of their photographers got a picture of me. I look like a boy because I had a boy haircut at the time. <laughs> Don't know how that was allowed. Yeah. Um, and I was so angry afterwards because my dad, I love him, but he's clueless, got all me and all of my siblings iPads. Wow. And he gave me his old one and my younger ones got brand new iPad minis <laughs> and I bawled my eyes out and he was like what <laughs> you're the one that got you baptized yeah like I did this so I could get it and you just gave it to all of us <laughs> right yeah and so he ended up like he switched it I got one of the brand new iPad minis and like my youngest sibling got the old one which was nice of him but I was also like well shit now I'm on this yeah um but i also was like interested in a boy at the time so it wasn't i mean it was the wrong decision to make especially i didn't even i didn't even do my like prayer dedication before i kind of just forgot (laughs) until the day of and then i did like a quick one while i was sitting in my seat (laughs) um but it wasn't it felt kind of like a sham yeah seems like the quote-unquote right reason to do it was like kind of the last thing on your mind and you know yep you're exactly also, you're also 15 years old right and which is doing, way too i mean yeah 
it's not the youngest I've heard of, but it's way too young. My cousin was like, I can't remember if she was 11 or 13, but she was, she was way younger. Right. You know, and at that, and and it's not like the questions for baptism are all that hard either. I mean, they literally give you the answer right in the book. Yeah. It's, I mean, you learn it all because, I mean, the Bible storybook tells pretty much everything. And my parents used to have me listen to those tapes, like to fall asleep. So I knew I was, I was a smart kid. I knew (laughs) the doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. We had the Bible storybook tapes. We had listening to the great teacher tapes. And uh-huh. we had drama. We had a couple dramas, like the ones with Moses. There were a couple with Moses, like the audio dramas. Yes, I think. Yeah, that, and I think those might have been like actual dramas at one point at conventions because it sounds it sounded like that. But um, you know, they just had them on cassette tape. And yeah, I always heard the one about like the one kid who, or the girl or boy that didn't want to get baptized because they were afraid yeah. of gonna, they were going to get in trouble. Yep. yep, yep, I know that one. I think it was a guy. Yeah. Yeah, because they're like, yeah. like, you know, it should be your decision, but when are you going to get baptized? Uh-huh. <laughs> like every- You should get, you need to. Yeah. No pressure, but you'll just be ostracized by all your friends if you don't, so, you know. But no pressure, it's your decision. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Like they don't understand what coercion is. Yeah. Especially to like children. Yeah, exactly. Like, geez. Yeah. It's like, it's the most important decision of your life, but, uh, you have to do it as a child. Yeah. A child, a child that where a child that only knows what you've told them and is not allowed to look at anything else. Yeah, that's correct. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Wasn't allowed. I had like a tiny section in school on evolution and like I remember I had like one question about it in a test and I asked my mom what to do and she said well just pick the wrong answer (laughs) lord yeah I always justified it by being like okay they're trying to teach me the material and I will answer what the material says that doesn't necessarily mean I have to believe it that kind of thing but yeah I just had to get that one wrong (laughs) Right. My 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 parents were pretty strict about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Quote unquote wrong. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Were you around for that blue evolution book? Um like the brochure? I know we had a brochure about yeah. it. There was a brochure, but there was also like a like an old it was called Life How Did It Get Here by Evolution or Creation because, you know, I think my mom had that. She always had really like the older books and she was like, you need to read this. And I was, I would try to, and the writing style was so like hard. It was so hard for me to have the attention span to read it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. They had it. It was a different kind of people back then that wrote it, but yeah, there was like a whole book and every witness kid in my town would like try to place that with the science teacher on summer break like they there would be like a couple of weeks where the teachers would come in before the school year started and i remember every year i'd be my mother would take me to school and like here's there was like a school brochure called school and jehovah's witnesses and we when i was i remember that oh yeah that it was like an it was like an old one from the 70s but um giving away my age here but um yeah, the, I'd have to place that with the teacher, and 
my ninth grade science teacher probably had so many of those evolution books <laughs> oh my god so you must have had a lot of like witness kids in your area uh there were a few yeah i mean there, there were gosh how many there's like a picture of my mom and like six other women all pregnant at the same time so there, oh, were, man. there were a lot of kids my age in my congregation when i was growing up and then like there was like, okay. another crop of like older kids like teenager teenage age before us that all kind of came around and were all roughly the same age too so like yeah there were there were a lot of kids um but yeah it was uh it was kind of nuts it, it was funny i read one of the first bad books i ever read was quote-unquote bad books was uh the god delusion by richard dawkins and okay he goes in that book he actually goes into why that blue book is so horrible and like so wrong and he just like tears into it for like half a chapter <laughs> like that Damn. that book specifically <laughs> and i think it was because he said you know he's gotten so many people mailing it to him like they're like it's going to like change his mind and he's like an evolutionary biologist like this is his field wait so they would send the witness book to him yes I'm like, okay, so what book is this? The Life... The God... Did, life, okay, so this is... Okay, this is The God Delusion is the book. The God Delusion. I think I had that on my to-read, but I don't... I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I was really surprised, actually, to find it in there when I was reading it. Like, like oh my God, I feel, I feel attacked. <laughs> like, he's calling me out specifically, like... I didn't actually send him the evolution book though, but still it was like, wow, he's actually talking about us. And like, cause I thought that book was like, that book was like so tight. Like it was like referenced. There was like a whole list of sources in the back and everything. Oh, so like, wait. it was like a, it was like a totally like very scholarly scientific looking type of book. Yeah, I mean, if so they you, already have one up on witness books because they have sources. No, no, no. This is the witness book I'm talking about. Oh, the witness book had sources. Okay. Yes. Yeah, and I and I the I think the reason they don't do that anymore is because people actually go up and look at those sources and they realize that the original source isn't saying anything close to what the witnesses are using it to support it. Like, yeah. There's so many. There's like a lot of misquoted and taken out of context stuff, and you know so obviously the witnesses don't do that anymore but there was a time that they did for me just seeing those sources there like oh well they must be you know they must have done their homework because i trusted them you know so it was like right. yeah they did their homework they must have done their homework here uh because they got all these sources like i'm not i'm like 12 years old at the time i'm not gonna go look up all those sources but the fact right that, just the fact that they had them just made it seem legit but then of course you know when the age of the internet comes out you can actually go find those books and see what they actually say and see what the context of what the quoting is and find out yeah. that in a lot of cases, like, yeah, the, the scientists they're quoting is actually saying the exact opposite of what you're saying they're saying. So, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, that's one thing I talked to my dad about. I said, if you can get me some articles with sources yeah, that are not just Jehovah's Witness publications, then I'll read them. And he never could find any. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't do that anymore. 
exactly you we'll look up the like, sources and find out they're full of crap yep like nope wrong yeah not accurate mm-hmm so I found the an old diary and I did want to read one part of it because I was like this, this kind of shows how I was feeling sure yeah go ahead um I was 13 at the time and right off the bat it's talking about I um I'll start it says I love the truth and want to love Jehovah but sometimes I feel like just giving up I don't mind rules as long as I can be happy I'm never really happy though everybody's always hot or cold they're all jerks too <laughs> I don't understand why they can't be happy or at least pretend I don't have any true friends at all. I'm lonely with a pathetic life. I don't mind rules. I will follow them, but I have no one right now. Every JW hates me, and I continually have to be like, what's wrong? Does it have to do with me? I just want friends. And, of course, I'm talking about wanting a boyfriend. Yeah. Um, said, right now, a boyfriend is really tempting. My mom's pregnant and always in a mood. My family doesn't respect privacy at all, and my mother's probably reading this right now. Hi, Mom. Because I knew my mom would read my journals and she would get me in trouble for them. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. And I said, my dad's only worried about everything being clean. They act like they care, but on the inside, I can tell they have this disappointed feeling. Like, how could she do this to us? Or I thought she was different than everybody else. Well, guess what? I'm not. <laughs> Just totally sob story. But yeah. I was like, oh, my God. I really was questioning this at... 13. Yeah. Well, you, I, it sounds like you were pretty miserable and I and you needed, yeah. I mean, you just you lacked something that people need. I mean, people need those connections and relationships and you were not getting that. It sounds like. No. Yeah. No, I was and later on I was talking about like feeling caged in and mm -hmm. so depressed and I'm like at 13 I shouldn't I shouldn't have had to feel that. Like, oh, yeah. I had friends that at school that wanted to come over. The only time I got to have a friend over was for a school project. And my mom regret, told me she regretted it after. And then the other time was because my mom was starting a study with my friend's mother. And I was studying with my said friend on recess. <laughs> wow. So they, they said that was okay. She could come over. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was just, I was pretty sad at that time. Yeah, I can relate. Do you feel like that's affected your ability to make friends now? Um, it makes me, um, it has definitely turned me into a people pleaser. Mm. And I just want to make everyone around me happy. I never want them to feel bored with me. Um, and I'm definitely like, I've had to work a lot of that out in therapy mm. because I, I was just desperate for anyone to want to be around me, mm -hmm. especially like first leaving. I just wanted like friends because I could finally have friends that actually wanted to be around me. Yeah. And it didn't matter how many hours you put on your service report that month. Yeah. I was just trying to develop any relationships that I could and even like, like some weren't the best relationships sure. um and i've definitely had to like learn that you can't trust 
everyone. Like I made the mistake of trusting um, a cousin of mine when I left because she had been to fellowship for a large part of my adult life. Um, and she ended up like, she said she was going to pay me for my couch, came, got the couch, never paid me for it, was constantly asking me to drive her hours places. And oh, eventually I, my boyfriend's like, you can't let people treat you like that. And I was realizing that I was a lot like my mother, mm. constantly just trying to please people. And I think it was a huge part of like not having friends growing up. And so I, I just put my foot down and I was like, okay, we're not, we're not doing this. You can't treat me this way. And she chewed me out and was yelling at me and calling me like, she's like, you're just a Jehovah's Witness and you just listen to like lies and just, I, and I was like out at the time and I was just looking for any family connection. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, we're not going to have a relationship. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Was this was this the cousin that you mentioned earlier that you contacted that your mom found out about? No, this is um, actually I was gonna talk about that cousin. So this was um, the person that I had that bad interaction with. She's I was always calling her an aunt as I was growing up because she's really my mom's cousin, mm-hmm. um, and she's significantly older. She has two kids. Um, and her one, like she's she's very much an alcoholic, and I almost called CPS on her because she wasn't taking care of her kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, the cousin that I called earlier, she's actually one of my closest, um, the closest family members I have in my life. Her and her sister and her parents, and um, the cousin that got her out. She was the first one in our family to get out, and she actually has passed away since then, about a year after she got her sister out. So I was 18, she um, overdosed, Mm. and she was an amazing person. I actually asked my aunt and uncle to, um, just for some like information about her, um, while I'm doing this podcast, because she dealt with a lot of, um, she was molested by a witness when she was 16, 15, 16, and just went through some really awful things. She was an amazing person, and unfortunately we really didn't get to, I didn't get to know her very much because she was disfellowshipped for a large part of my childhood. Um, she was disfellowshipped twice, um, but she was diagnosed with bipolar. She wrestled with a lot of issues, depression, anorexia, bulimia. Um, She started cutting herself at 12, uh, had a lot of trips to the emergency room for stitches, almost cut down to her bones many times, and she suffered nerve damage in her hands from cutting so much. Um, She was, my uncle said, one of the most generous people he's ever met. Material things meant nothing to her. She'd give her paycheck away on occasions just to help workmates. Um, let them stay in her apartment and they always like a lot of people didn't pay her back Mm -hmm. but she would just help whoever Um, her bipolar made her very impulsive and she'd do crazy things without thinking and the elders didn't understand that or know how to deal with it because they were just from a small small town in middle of Michigan Um, Hmm. and they 
disfellowshipped her and she was crushed so she would stay in a room and read the old bound watchtower volumes cover to cover and take notes studied her watchtower like crazy for the meetings she felt so alone um they ended up moving from michigan to florida when she was 13 or 14 while she was disfellowshipped mm. And he said, my uncle said he remembers packing up the moving truck and her grandparents, both sets were there helping, but wouldn't speak to her, didn't even give her a hug when they were leaving. Um, and she was reinstated when they were in Florida, began babysitting for a ministerial servant who had two young daughters. Um, she was 15 and he was in his mid thirties and his wife had just separated from him for reasons that became obvious yeah. um, because she didn't want to become a Jehovah or she didn't want to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore so everyone thought that she was the bad one he was amazing for raising two kids in the truth right um so my uncle and his wife had him and his girls over for dinner a lot they tried to be supportive to him and she was babysitting for him but it turns out when he would return from work he would give her alcohol oh jeez and he started writing her love notes even wrote and paint something on his bedroom walls and soon begin molesting her. Um, he would drive to their house in the middle of the night and get her to sneak out her window so he could take her and do whatever. Oh, man. Um, at the, the entire time, he was considered a golden Jehovah's Witness in the congregation. His dad was an elder. My uncle served on the elder body with him. His uncle was an elder in the neighboring hall. His grandparents went to the hall, his sister and her husband. Um, so it was very clicky. He had all kinds of support. He gave talks, public talks, while all of the abuse was taking place. Um, eventually he started flirting with my aunt and wrote her a love note and tried to get her to meet him somewhere so he could show her what a real man could do. Oh, Lord. Um, but that triggered them finding out everything that was going on between him and And my uncle was an elder at the time, called a couple of elders and met with them, showed them the letter he wrote to and some of the letters they found that he had written to So they had a meeting with the body. Um, half the body was related to him. His dad was an elder and some of the old timers, my uncle said, were going to support that family no matter what. They found out that he had been in trouble with that issue before and he always got free got away with everything um found out from his ex-wife that there had been an accusation from other girls in other occasions but at the elders meeting half the brothers didn't want to do anything even though he was abusing her they thought it was best to wait a couple months until the circuit overseer visited and let him help out and that was on a Tuesday, and that Thursday at the Theocratic Ministry School, he had the Bible Highlights talk scheduled, and the brothers didn't see a problem in letting him get up in front of the congregation and teach, and he was still allowed to give it. Knowing, um, knowing what he had done. Yep. And they still let him do that. Yep. Which is like, at that point, why aren't you calling the police, you know? Right. like. Yeah. Um. So they were attempting to spy on him to see if he was having other young girls over, and he was. Um, so one of my cousin's friends was babysitting for him when she wasn't allowed to, and he didn't stop his behavior, just found a new target. Mm -hmm. And his ex-wife would call with info, um, but 
she was disfellowshipped, so the elders weren't listening to anything she would say. Of course. Um, the brothers finally wrote a letter to Bethel asking for direction. He doesn't remember what the direction was, but he remembers the elders meeting when the circuit overseer did visit. They were all in the back room, um, and when the situation came up, after reading everything over and what Bethel had sent, the circuit overseer told the body of elders they handled it all wrong, compared it to the guys in bright vests who stand on a runway with light sticks in each hand waving and waving at the taxiing plane, showing them where to turn and where to park. He said the body of elders were like a plane looking to land and that Bethel lit up the runway, painted huge arrows on it, and then waved their lights around showing the brothers exactly what to do. Instead, he said, you brothers landed the plane on another runway and did your own thing. And then he said the brother couldn't be tried, so to speak, again. They had ended up approving him before the circuit over's visit is all that happened. And the circuit overseer said he should have been disfellowshipped and he wasn't. And now it was too late. Oh, wow. Yep. So he never like he was removed as a ministerial servant, but he was still walking around the house, laughing and smiling and friendly with everyone. And my cousin had to sit there and watch him get away with it, even though the elders knew everything he'd done. Um, They didn't show her any support, no apologies. No one was allowed to speak about it. They weren't to tell other people what happened, even though he was a threat in the hall. Um, After that, he married a girl who people thought were 17, but my uncle thinks he might have waited until she was 18 and married her. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, and then they moved back to Michigan. And my cousin ended up sneaking out of the house in the middle of the night. She had so many mental things that she was dealing with when her bipolar would go into a manic phase and she wouldn't sleep for like three days. Mm-hmm. She'd get impulsive and she ended up telling her parents that she had bought a bottle of vodka and gotten drunk and she felt terrible and was crying and so upset and they told her to go to the elders assuring her that they'd be understanding. And Nope, they disfellowshipped her and said it was a pattern of rebellious behavior. Right. And but this other guy's was. I don't know how. I don't know how old she was at the time, but I think she was probably seventeen. <laughs> so she had been disfellowshipped twice while she was a minor, and that's why it's like disfellowshipping minors should be illegal. It, yeah. It's literally like it's public humiliation and social isolation mm-hmm. of a child. Yeah. I think that's. And, uh, I think that's why Norway recently like defunded the watchtower over thank goodness they're so I'm yeah I'm so happy about that because I feel like it's finally like bringing attention to all of the terrible things that yeah like governments getting involved is the only way that they're gonna change it yeah and I'm glad that some are yep and the state of Pennsylvania is literally just like arresting you know they're subpoenaing congregation records and literally just like raiding kingdom halls raiding their records and going and arresting the pedophiles themselves so yeah i don't know if i don't know how much you've heard about but i think they've arrested i think like uh, 14 or 15 right yeah it's like 14 or 15 people in the last within the last year yeah it's an i'm so happy about that i mean i know the one the one guy that they tried to arrest committed suicide when they got there. Yep. Yeah, he uh, barricaded himself in the bathroom and shot himself. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it just, this is the summary of what he said. 
Um, he said he was such a strong person, but at the same time as wrestling with so many mental health issues, the ministerial servant brother took advantage of her, preyed upon her insecurities. All of this added with the fact that she saw how the elders allowed him to basically get away with it. Plus, the mistreatment she received when she was disfellowshipped took a huge toll on her. She tried so many things to cope with her mental demons, cutting, alcohol, pills, and eventually huffing. Um, and huffing is how she um, ended up passing away. But um, he says, as a father, I 100% believe that I would still have my daughter here if I had not raised her as a Jehovah's Witness. That religion robbed her of her individuality, individuality, her happiness, her confidence, her sense of safety and trust, and ultimately her life. Of course, I realized that she still would have had issues, but if she could have been allowed to be herself and truly loved unconditionally and not judged by everyone, I'm confident she would have been an amazing, happy person. She had such a love for people, for family. She loved her sisters more than anything. She was my best friend. We spoke every evening on the phone before she died. She'd tell me about her day and everything she learned. She was one of the strongest people I've ever met. She refused to give up on me even though she was disfellowshipped. Eventually, I listened to her even though I wasn't supposed to and looked into the things she was saying so I could get her back into the truth. Of course, that didn't happen. She ended up saving me and in turn her mother and sisters. I think back to how determined and strong she was and smart to see this religion for what it was way, way before I could. She saved her entire family, but in the end, she couldn't save herself. I'd do anything to have her back. And it was actually her birthday yesterday. Oh, man. I'm sorry to hear all that. That's really a tragedy. Yeah, she she deserved so much better. For sure. That like that stuff is not the reason I left. And I think when I left, I was kind of denying it, that it was a bigger problem as it was. But then, you know, all the stuff that's been coming out, the the Australian Royal Commission, the pennsylvania thing and you know these stories i'm hearing from yourself people like yourself and others you know it just kind of i think it drives home the point that there is a systemic problem at the very top of the organization yeah and yeah i mean it's it's harming so many children yeah it's no wonder two-thirds of them and don't stay and you know there's a lot of abused people in that two-thirds and there's a lot of abused people in that one-third that does stay too so right yeah and it's like an incredibly awful state of affairs i think yeah it yeah it breaks my heart because i i didn't know a ton of the details Mm -hmm. And I didn't really get, like, I remember she was my favorite cousin when I was growing up because she was the one that would, like, let me play with them. Like, I had yeah. three older cousins, and she was the one that, like, included me. And um, I always wanted to be like her because she was very much like a tomboy, and I, yeah. I wanted to be like that. And um, I knew her, like, in that way, but I remember when she came, like, when they moved back to Michigan for a little while, I couldn't talk to her because she was a fellowship the entire time yeah and 
I remember driving in their car because I was going to hang out with my younger cousin after the meeting Mm -hmm. and she had to like sit in the back and we couldn't talk to each other. And I was a kid. Like I wasn't even baptized yet, but I couldn't talk to my cousin in the same car. Yep. That's that's awkward. It was, but it was like, it's probably one of the last times I saw her. Wow. Because when she moved to Florida, like she got disfellowshipped that last time. And uh, that's when she came out as a lesbian. And then I wasn't allowed to talk to her. And yeah, it was. She talked to me once right after she got reinstated. Um, But by then, like she was apostate. Yeah. Um, after that so we had like one conversation she noted how much older I sounded she missed out on a huge part of my childhood you know like I missed out on so much of her life and I regret it I we couldn't even when she passed away um I was disfellowshipped at the time and I was also 19 living with my parents so I knew I couldn't go down there they we were talking about going to her memorial service but um, I think they just logged on to Zoom. Okay. Um, when my cousin that I'm still in contact with, her younger sister, not youngest, but younger sister, um, asked her grandparents if they were going to come for the memorial. Her grandparents just said, of course not. Wow. Which is like, it's your granddaughter. Yeah. And you're not going to come to her memorial? Mm-hmm. And they actually, those grandparents ended up passing away this spring. Yeah. They got in a car accident. And they, all three of their kids have since left the organization. Their oldest daughter has been out for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So they hadn't talked to her. And probably, I don't know if they talked to her at all because they would, um, but they were very strict about not talking to the fellowship people. Hadn't talked to their my uncle whose daughter passed away for probably 10 years at that point and their youngest son probably six years and they left their house to the organization wow wouldn't let like they were trying to go through the house just to grab a few things to remember them by and they asked for like this stained glass picture that has been on their porch for like 20 years and they said can we take this and the brother um that was in charge of like taking care of the house and like transferring it over to Bethel or whatever um Hmm. was like no of course not we're gonna sell that jeez like wouldn't even let us have that let them have things from the house yeah of their parents that had just died that's incredible yeah just you know, they talk about, I just, something that always stuck out to me was in, you know, they talk about the time of the end and how worldly people will have no natural affection. But, you know, in my dealings with witnesses and a lot of other people's, it's the witnesses that don't have natural affection. They exactly. are cold. They are cold. They are calculating. They are conniving. And they don't. You know, they say 
they say they love you, but love is what you do. Your actions don't show it. Yeah. Love is what you do. It's not what you say. You can say, yeah. I love you. I love you all day long, but that doesn't mean anything. What you do is what matters. Yeah. And I know, I know my parents think that they, and I know they do love me, but they don't know how to show it in a healthy way. Yeah. Like they're, they're doing the opposite. And so at this point in my life, the only reason I still have contact with my parents is to be able to talk to my siblings. Mm -hmm. But once my siblings are all 18, I fully plan on telling them, like, I don't want to have any interactions with you because you've disappointed me and I thought you were better than this. I thought my mom was going to keep talking to me when I left because she would always say, like, I don't know what I would do without you. I don't know how I could go on living without you. And so I was like, well, she she can't live without me. Like, my mom's going to obviously always talk to me. <laughs> and, yeah. And she, she doesn't. And, hmm. like, we saw... I saw her at the funeral for the grandparents that passed away and her first question, because I, I brought my boyfriend, her first question to us was, are you guys married yet? I was like, no, mom, obviously I would tell you if I got married, like yeah. some of us still want to talk to each other, but I was just, I was just like, okay. Yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want to have anything to do with you guys anymore. Like, this is disgusting. I would never treat my children this way. I would never treat my siblings this way. Yeah. Man, that's, you're right. I mean, there's a difference between, you know, what the witnesses do when they, when they shun, you know, when they disfellowship somebody, it's healthy to cut out toxic relationships out of your life for your own sanity, yeah. for your own safety. But when you're doing that, you're doing that to, you're doing that with specific people for specific reasons that you are both aware of. When it's the witnesses, it's like, even people who don't know you and who have no idea what your situation is, they have no idea even why you were disfellowshipped. They just don't talk to you because somebody else told them not to. And, right. and they just follow that because some men told them that's not what to. they're told to do yeah exactly and yeah it's it's pretty sad yeah. that so many people just blindly follow it yeah and it's like I, when I had that interaction with my mom's cousin that basically stole from me I realized I was like, am I no better than witnesses? I kind of had like a internal crisis. I was like, I'm cutting someone off too. But then I was like, no, there is cutting someone off because you have a valid reason to. And then there's cutting someone off because yeah. someone else tells you to. And you're not trying to control other people's relationship with that person either. Right. Exactly. Like that person has other people they can go and confide in and ha and surround themselves with. Like you're not interfering with that, but it's such a total, it's such a total cutting off of every relationship. So it, it is a very different thing. So that, you know, that's why I don't feel bad about not talking to certain people because it's not going to do anything good. So 
you know, there's no point in doing that. But I'm not like going around and stopping other I'm not talking, talking to you. To I'm not them. talking to you. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's I feel like when you're on the when you're on the outside of that, it's like someone has to do a lot for me to get to the point where I won't talk to them. Right. Yeah, and it's not like breaking rules. It's it's just basically like okay, you hurt me. You are a danger to me in some way, physical, mental, financial in some way and you know to protect myself i'm staying away from you so yep yeah exactly and there's nothing wrong with that yep and i've yeah i definitely had to come to terms with that and i also like through therapy i realized like as a child i my parents almost made it if i was angry it was like bad um and I would like get in trouble for talking back, which I, I remember like crying at my mom and be like, I don't even understand what talking back is. And like, why is it bad? You're asking me questions, but I'm answering the questions. How is that talking back? Um, and I think she was just, they were just like, they don't like your answers. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what the point of my story was, <laughs> That's okay. but um, oh, I, since I've left, I've had to come to terms with like, it's okay for me to feel angry. I'm allowed to have that emotion. And there are a lot of toxic habits that I've adopted from my parents, from the organization that I've had to just, and I think everyone who leaves has to do that, just kind of figure out what they're doing is if it's healthy or not. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, I have a lot of anger about how much work I have to do to get myself in a place I want to be because of all of this. And and a lot of people have that anger and it's justifiable. I mean, they've set, they've set us back socially, a lot of times financially, um, and all kinds of different ways. And it's like, well, now we got to like rebuild our whole life because they've monopolized it. And you know, now they've cut you off from all that, from all the support and all the networking you've done. And now you have to start over. And it is definitely something that would anger, that should anger a normal person. And just because you're angry doesn't mean you're wrong. Exactly. And I've kind of had to, like, that was kind of a mentality when we were getting in trouble as kids. Like my brother, my brother would get so, because I don't know how, but they just, my parents would have a way of like, they'd like gang up on us to a degree and just be like, well, this is why you're wrong. And this is why you're wrong. And if we didn't agree with whatever they said, they would get more angry and frustrated. And it's like, and if we showed any bit of like anger or any emotion besides just like crying and I'm sorry, then we were wrong. Right. Or we were being like, my dad would always be little brat. Like, that's always what I would call me if I wasn't doing like. And so I got to a point where like my dad would always say, he's like, you're such a peacemaker. You're so good at making peace. And it's like, well, yeah, because you guys had me to save your marriage. And I've been diffusing toxic, like bad situations my whole life and trying to diffuse your guys' fights at each other. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, of course I'm like that. Um, 
but I would just get frustrated with my brother because they would yell at him and I'd be like, why isn't he like, you just say, okay, you just say, okay, to whatever they're saying. Like, why isn't he understanding that? <laughs> and eventually I just was told, told him like, you just have to say, just, just agree with whatever they say, because that's what they're getting at. Like oh, there's geez. no getting your point across. You just have to say, okay. Jeez, you lived my childhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh my god, I, I think that's, that's, it all sounds very familiar <laughs> to me. Yeah, I think we all, our parents all have that same, like, toxic... Because that's, that's how they essentially are being parented by the organization. Right. You know, like, if you don't agree with everything we're saying, you're wrong. You're apostate. Yeah, exactly. Even if, uh, even if they change their beliefs to agree with it later, you're running ahead of the right. organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, even if you're right, even if you're right and they're wrong, it doesn't matter because they're the authority in the matter and you need to listen to the authority, which is, I don't know how you can not call that a cult at this point. Right. Sure. They're not, you know, they're not in bunkers. They're not out in the middle of the jungle somewhere drinking flavor aid um, with cyanide in it. I mean, they're not that kind of a cult, but still there's the just the level of control and the we're right no matter what attitude the presumptuousness the haughtiness the air of authority they have you know and it's like you know one of the things that helped me wake up was just reading about other cults and yeah and like reading about how other cults do things because if you do that and you're a Jehovah's Witness you know, somewhere in the back of your mind, some of that's going to sound familiar. A lot of that's going to sound familiar. Um, I know. I have, I have an old copy of Stephen Hassan's Escaping Cult Mind Control mm -hmm. before he put Jehovah's Witnesses in there. Right, right. And I really just want to give it to, I want to give it to a member of my family, but I know they're going to be like, well, my mom's so afraid of demons. And I oh, feel yeah. like if she got anything from me, she'd be like, right. like, I don't even, I get my siblings like a gift every year just because I want them to know that like, I'm still out here. Yeah. I still love you. I want to show you that I love you in any way possible. And that's really the only way I can communicate that with them is like, the last two funerals I've been to, I've given them presents, <laughs> which is really sad, but it has to be a funeral, but yeah, like the only time I see them. Um, yeah. And I really want to just like, well, just read this book. It talks about other cults and like, it doesn't talk about Jehovah's Witnesses, doesn't say anything bad about Jehovah's Witnesses and just shows you like the bite model. And I've told my mom to look up the bite model. And I told my mom that Stephen Hassan, the leading expert in cults and, um, America or the United States or whatever has called Jehovah's Witnesses a cult and she said well yeah but in Jesus day people probably would have considered him a cult to, like him a cult leader too and I was like really that's your argument yeah like so you're saying you think you could be a cult but it's okay because like anything could be categorized as a cult I yeah at that point it's like okay you guys have to wake yourselves up right oh yeah and it's, exactly you can't it's very rare that you're just going to talk somebody out of it because the person has to be of a mindset to where, you know, the truth actually matters. Facts actually matter. Evidence actually matters. And if it doesn't matter to that person, I don't think there's anything you can do, really. 
Exactly. Yeah. And if they won't accept any sources outside of org, I mean, yeah. Then what do you do? Yeah, exactly. Or even, you know, they won't, they probably won't even accept any past sources either from the Watchtower. Right. Like, they'll probably say, well, apostates are twisting the words. Right. Well, it's like, well, you have the literature. You can go look it up yourself. The, right. This is where to find it. You can look up the context yourself. If you're going to say, oh, it's out of context or whatever, you know, look it up for yourself. Find out. But a lot of times they're not going to do that. So, nope. but whatever. Unfortunately. That's, yeah, that's their deal. Yeah, it really sucks. But I think, I think if my parents ever were to get out, my siblings would have to all be out first. And yeah. I think eventually my siblings will leave just because they're young. They're in the like age of TikTok, like Mm -hmm. in they're going to see documentaries about Jehovah's Witnesses. Like they're going to see it and they're going to hear about it. And the child abuse in Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. I, even though my parents are trying to homeschool them all. Yeah. Eventually they're going to have access to that information. Right. And I'll, I'll be waiting outside for them. And I'll give them all the support they need, but yeah, I feel like there's nothing I can do besides that. Yeah, and it's not you're not responsible for it, so it's it's not something you need to you should feel bad about if you can't because you know that's not an expectation that should be on anybody. It's just like like guilt in the back of my head that I know yeah. isn't necessarily like warranted, but it's like I feel like in my head they're saying like you abandon us and I want to be like no I'd do anything for you and they'd be yeah. like well, why didn't you stay in the truth and it's like well I'd do anything but that <laughs> I can't do that anymore I right. did it for so long <laughs> if you if you really love if you really love me you wouldn't ask me that exactly you wouldn't ask me to change my life right you don't that means you don't respect me as a person and you don't respect my um, agency as a person and you know they they don't have to it's fine but that is what it is yeah I'm just I'm excited to have them out because yeah I'm sure you know with your family members everyone every ex-witness knows mm-hmm. just like we all want our family members to get out we miss we miss them yeah yeah it's easy to kind of cut yourself off and think you don't need them but you know when you do have those times together it's like you realize what you were missing and stuff but yeah i get that how have you been adjusting to life outside the witnesses like as far as things like holidays birthdays that kind of thing like have you actually tried celebrating anything or are you just not ready for that i i have and i love it (laughs) yeah i love it so much uh I did so last year was like my first year of holidays my first birthday Mm -hmm. this year my birthday was like a lot like I actually we went out to dinner um did like a camping trip afterwards and I had like friends to go with me for my birthday and nice um it was just it was fantastic it was like it felt like my first real like last year it was great because my um, my boyfriend got me like a cake at work and stuff and like people sing to me for the first time but oh, this wow. year was like a real like a big celebration mm-hmm. for me 
um, I had like three of my friends and my boyfriend. We all went out to like a fancy dinner and I got two cakes. He got me a cake. They got me a cake. Um, <laughs> I got like dressed up. It was, it was fantastic. Um, I love Halloween because last year we handed out candy um, with his mom. And that was super fun. I just like I remember the kid I would watch because I lived like right down. I lived on a street that um, a lot of kids would dress up and like um, come to the houses for candy. And, and I would always watch from my bedroom window and like look at all the kids in the costumes. I was so jealous. And now as an adult, I'm like, this year is going to be the first year that I'm going to dress up. And I'm so excited. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Christmas too. I love Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I love all the all the holidays. All the holidays. Yeah, yeah, all of the celebrations. I'm just catching up. Oh yeah, totally. So you were like ready. By the time you left, you were like, okay, I'm ready to do this. By the time I left, I was like, why would I listen to any of this? I didn't even believe in God, really. Yeah. Pretty quickly after I woke up, I was just mm-hmm. like, okay, so none of this is real, and if God is real either he's not all powerful or he's not all loving right and yeah i i don't necessarily not believe in god but i don't think it is the typical god that like christians picture i just don't Mm -hmm. i always disliked like the first testament god because i thought he was pretty mean um, so I always like liked Jesus more in like the second half of the Bible and mm-hmm. the idea of like God is love. Yeah. But since I've gotten out, like Jesus still seems like a nice guy, but I don't think I don't think I like the Bible's idea of God. So Yeah. I'm still working through it all, like trying to figure out exactly what I believe. Mm-hmm. But I'm not putting a ton of pressure on myself. Because I've had to think about God my entire life, and kind of tired. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell. Sometimes I live in kind of a churchy area, and you know, uh, people tell me like, sometimes I get asked like, if I go to a church and stuff like, yeah, I, and I just I was like, I grew up a Jehovah's Witness. I went to church three times a week. I've probably been to more. I've probably been to church more times than you'll ever go in your lifetime. So. I've got I have punched the punch card already (laughs) yep I'm like I'm I'm taking a break yeah exactly and like I don't know that I'll ever go back to it I I like I like the idea of learning about different beliefs Mm -hmm. um I don't know that I believe in typical God I think maybe maybe creation some kind of like energy source or maybe there's some concept of god that we can't comprehend that's just sure um yeah i yeah i've put a little bit of thought into it but nothing that's like i can verbalize really well yeah i think there's a difference too between like just entertaining thoughts about what if there's a god what it could be and like asking people to invest something in a belief where you know with the witnesses or most religions it's like it's not enough just to be like oh yeah i think that's probably true like you actually have to do things and sacrifice things and right like you have to sacrifice your whole life as a witness exactly yeah and it's like you know i've explained this to 
other people too or other witnesses you know witnesses too where it's like you know i can't prove that god doesn't exist but you're asking me you're asking a lot from me based on this belief being being true and i'm gonna need more than just the bible says so i'm sorry i just i need more than that like i need i need something better than what you're offering as far as evidence goes um, if you were just saying, hey, just come out and hang out with us sometimes and like be our friend and, you know, just listen to what we're talking, you know, that might be something else. But like, I'm not going to be like, it's like if you told me you had a ham sandwich for lunch yesterday, I'm probably going to believe you because if you didn't have a ham sandwich yesterday, first of all, that would be weird if you told me <laughs> you had the, if you lied to me right. about lunch. But second of all, it's like, it's really no skin off my back if I'm wrong about that or not. Like, it doesn't really matter. There's no stakes there. But like with witness, the, you know, the stakes are really high. So I'm going to need a little bit more evidence than just like taking your word for it. So, right. Do you have any advice for anybody who's uh, leaving or thinking of leaving? Uh, be careful who you talk to about it. And... I be very secretive about it because it's unfortunately it's dangerous to talk about what you really believe. Like if you don't have, especially for young people, if you don't have a safe place to stay, make sure you clear your browser history. Like make sure you are being safe about who knows. Learn about incognito mode. Exactly. Cause it, well, it was so traumatic having, my parents find out and before I was ready to tell them and I have two friends that left one before me and one after and they were both minors and the one ended up moving out of her house a few weeks before she turned 17 because um she was a lesbian and her parents she knew her parents wouldn't accept it like she had already been publicly reproved for it when she was 15 um, so she had to fake it until right before she was 17 and then she was like okay I can't do it anymore and moved out her parents didn't chase after her too bad but they yeah. they still have very little contact with the, um, um, they identify as they them now but mm-hmm. yeah she they've just gone through so so much and I I hate that this organization does that to kids but yeah. You really do have to be careful with who you tell. Mm-hmm. I think that would just be my main. And then do your research. <laughs> yeah. Like, be careful of, like, cult hopping. Like Stephen Hassan talks about. It's once oh, you yeah. leave, you just want to believe in anything. Sure. Be careful about what you believe once you do leave. Yeah. I think some people just have a natural drive for... um. I don't want to say like being in a cult, but look, but more like being in a community. They want or, direction. Yeah, direction, being part of something that's bigger than themselves. Like me personally, I have n- absolutely no drive to be anything yep, bigger than myself same. at I, all. Like I am not a joiner. I thought about like checking out the local Unitarian Universalist church, which is like the lightest, least churchiest church you can possibly get before you're just like an atheist club. Um, <laughs> but like, 
I I liked it. I thought it was interesting, but at the same time, I was just like, man, I don't want to get up on Sundays and just go. I don't want to get right. Up. I don't want to get up early on the weekend. Like, it's not offering yeah, me enough. I don't want to devote my time to yeah, this. I'm like, not getting. I don't need getting this, enough out of it. I don't need this so much that I'm willing to wake up early on a Sunday morning. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I, I very much feel like I don't think I could ever go to church again in my life. I hated it so much. Oh, I, I love sleeping in. Yeah, I, I love I am, having my weekend. I am glad I had the I had the experience of going to a different church once or twice because just to see how like not like a meeting it is because meetings yeah. are really fucking boring and they're so boring yeah and like though the church i went to was like i think it was a church of christ or something and it was still a little boring because it was church but at the same time it was like it was a lot less boring and it was like shorter and it felt like the people speaking were like speaking more from the heart then, you know, because they weren't they weren't just reciting the script that they were given or like right. para, more like paraphrasing the script that they were given from, you know, on high. You know, they actually maybe put a little bit more thought into it. So it was interesting to see that still not my thing, but like I'm, I'm still glad I went and checked it out at least. But, you know, yeah, I've I've thought about it because I used to work with a guy that um, he's a youth pastor now. Mm-hmm. and actually knows like quite a few people that I've met in town that I'm like, Oh, you know that person? Yeah. I used to work with them. And yeah. he would try to convince me that Jehovah's witnesses were crazy. <laughs> um, first, first non-witness that I worked with. And he was like, you guys are in a cult. Are you guys okay? Oh my God. was the fellowship at the time. Oh, and he knew I couldn't talk to like even my grandparents. Oh man. And he was like, He's like, do you want to come with my wife and I to a movie sometime? Like, do you need some support? Yeah. <laughs> like, very, very nice guy. So I yeah. I feel like if I ever did want to get a church experience, I'd probably maybe go to his. But yeah, I mean, it is it is what it is. I mean, you can you do what you want. I mean, that's the nice thing about being out of it is you can do whatever you want on your right. terms. I can do that now. Mm-hmm.